In case you didn't know it, today is the first Sunday of Advent, and uh, as we begin uh, this uh, time of focusing on the coming of Jesus Christ, the Son of God, fully God become uh, man, taking on flesh and bone, uh, being born in Bethlehem, uh, living his life sinlessly and perfectly so that he might be the perfect sacrifice for sinners like you and me, taking the penalty of our sin upon himself as he died upon a cross in our place and being raised from the dead, we can have life through faith in him. And when we come to uh, Christmas, the Advent season, uh, we're focusing on the rescuing love that God has sent our way through Jesus Christ. Uh, If you have your Bibles, turn to Psalm 107. And while you're turning there, let me just call your attention to a couple of things. We're getting ready to embark this wonderful uh, Advent season, and December is packed. And I know that you feel the weight of a packed December, but there are key moments for us as a church that I think uh, we need to really take hold of and be aware of. First, December 11th is Christmas celebration, where we have the inauguration of Christmas music and and the celebration of all that God has done for us in Christ. And we do that through song in our morning worship at 9 and at 1030. It's a great opportunity for you to bring those who have questions about who God is or what Jesus means or uh, if they have any kind of sense that this is a special time and that they need to figure out more about Jesus uh, it would be a great opportunity for you to invite those neighbors, friends, family, uh, co-workers, and classmates uh, to join you on December 11th. And then these, uh, December 17th and 18th, we have Hometown Christmas. And this is where we're inviting the, uh, the communities in the seven cities of Hampton Roads to experience Christmas, the fun of Christmas, the joy of Christmas, but also praying that it becomes an open door for those Uh, who are searching for Christ to find uh, a place where those questions can be answered here at First Norfolk. So that's going to be a great time from 2 to 8, December 17th and 18th. And then December 24th is, oh boy, y'all are on it now. (laughs) December 24th is Christmas Eve. We're having a 3 o'clock worship gathering that's going to be in here And then 5 o'clock, we'll have a unique worship gathering around the tree with candlelight and Christmas carols, and that'll be a great time. And then December 25th is Christmas Day, and on Christmas Day, we have one worship gathering at 1030 here in this room. We're going to (coughs) have a Christmas uh, story for our children, uh, and it's going to be chaotic, and it's going to be wonderful. Let your kids come in pajamas And especially if they have those little footsies, I think that's just precious. Um, But it's going to be a great time uh, on Christmas Day at 1030. That worship gathering will be right at an hour, not an hour as I normally talk about an hour, but a regular hour as God ordained 60 minutes. So uh, that will be uh, Christmas Day. And uh, it's going to be a wonderful time. On January 1st, uh, we're going to move to online worship. And uh, that means we won't have any worship gatherings here. It'll all be online, so uh, you take advantage of that as well. (sighs) 
couple of more things I want you all to be aware of. December the 18th, we have a budget vote every year. First Norfolk approves our annual budget. Our budget runs from January 1 to December 31st. And for the 2023 budget, we approved that on December the 18th. So at the end of worship gathering at 9 and at 10.30 and at 5, we will have a vote. And in that vote, you will approve or not uh, the proposed budget for 2023. Um, on December, that's December 18th. On December 11th, at the end of each worship gathering, we will have a budget question and answer. If you have any questions about the budget, at the end of the 9 o'clock and the 10.30 worship gathering, you can go to room 232. Philip was giving me the signals. You can go to room 232, and uh, that will be an opportunity for you to ask any questions about the upcoming budget, get those questions answered as much as possible uh, so that we are ready to vote on December 18th. That doesn't include everything else that's happening in December, but it's a good start, all right? Uh, so if you have your Bibles, turn to Psalm 107. We're coming off the heels of Thanksgiving, and we're entering into the Advent season. Next Sunday, we begin a series of messages called, Oh, Holy Night. That's creative, isn't it? Um, but today, we're going to be looking at giving thanks to the Lord. I think it's appropriate after we move out of Thanksgiving just a few days away and saw the Dallas Cowboys beat the New York Giants, I think it's appropriate. I'm not asking for input. Especially because my son-in-law is a Patriots fan. I'm just going to rebuke that right out loud. So, okay, thank you. All right. So, uh, really, this, this is a time for us to give thanks. And I, one day just doesn't get it done, does it? I mean, really, it just doesn't get it done. One of the things that we're doing, um, uh, I, I have a granddaughter. Her name is Nora. And I haven't talked about her for some time. Uh, but my granddaughter, one of the things that uh, Nora's parents are doing, uh, and both sets of grandparents and uh, aunts and uncles and everybody else, what we're doing is we're trying to help Nora learn to give thanks before dinner. Yeah, that makes sense. That's something you learned. And, and there are a lot of different ways that you can help a preschooler uh, pray uh, Thanksgiving to God before eating a meal. Uh, simple, the one that I learned when I was a kid, maybe you learned it too, remember? God is, God is, let, him th let us thank him for our, by his hands we are fed, thank you Lord for daily bread. And that's a simple prayer, but don't just race through it because it is a prayer fit for the God of heaven. Think about it. God is great. Systematic theologies are built around this premise that God is great. But also, God is good. Again, theologies have been written on the greatness of God and the goodness of God, and our response to his greatness and goodness is thanksgiving. 
So today we're going to look at Psalm 107, uh, a premier psalm or song of thanksgiving to the Lord. All right? Uh, so uh, a little bit more from Nora. Nora uh, came to our house. I, her parents did too. But Nora <laughs> came to our house on Friday, got to spend the night Friday night and uh, Saturday night. And um, Nora has a pattern that she's, uh, her parents have done a great job of establishing this parent pattern. Pattern for her. She wakes up in the morning, she has breakfast, she plays, uh, and then after lunch, she goes down for a nap. And she goes down for a nap and she'll sleep. Uh, it used to be a couple hours, it, it ranges now as she's gotten older, two and a half years old. And, and so she'll go down for the nap after lunch. Now, I want you to know what happens during that time. What happens during that time is certainly her mother and father are listening for her to wake up. The rumbling and tumbling, uh, the the talking, the the, maybe the crying that happens when she wakes up. Um, But in our house, Grandmommy and Poppy are listening intently as well. And any aunts or uncles that are in the house, they're listening intently as well because the minute we hear the cry, we race to the room to help her out of her problem. It is, and it's a delight because when we come to her rescue in that dark room and pull her out of the cage, I mean the bed that she's in, <laughs> she greets us with such joy. Hi, Poppy! And it's delightful. It's, it's satisfying to the soul. Psalm 107, there is a pattern that we find in this psalm, and we'll we'll walk through it. There's a pattern in this psalm that begins with a problem. Nora, in the dark, waking up behind uh, the the bars, literally, the bars of her bed, she's in a problem. She wants out. She wants rescue. She's found herself in a problem, so her response to the problem is to cry out, help me. And those who love her are ready to help and have the ability to help her. And she thanks us with a, hello, poppy. The pattern that we find in Psalm 107 is there's a problem that we have. And in the face of that problem, we can cry out to God as sons and daughters brought into his family through faith in Christ. We can cry out to God and his ear and his heart is tuned toward us and he delights in rescuing us. So we have a problem, we cry out to God, God rescues us and our response to that rescue is thanksgiving. We must give thanks to the Lord. Psalm 107, beginning, beginning in verse 1. I want you to just read along with me, 1 through 3. Oh, give thanks to the Lord, for he is good. His steadfast love endures forever. Now, here's what I want you to see about verse 1. It's, it, I mean, you could preach messages upon messages in this. God's steadfast love is operating toward those who belong to him. 
If you have been rescued by God's grace through faith in Jesus Christ, verse 2 says, let the redeemed say so. You've been picked up out of the pit in which you found yourself because you had sinned against God and, and you were separated from his family by your sin and God sent Jesus to your rescue. We talked about this last week in Ephesians 1, 7. In Christ, we have redemption through the shedding of his blood, the forgiveness of sin. Oh, according to the uh, glorious riches of his grace, we have been brought into God's family. So as sons and daughters, we know his steadfast love that has brought us into his family. But more than that, uh, it puts us in the path of his goodness. Do you understand that when you are entering into God's family, not just escaping hell, uh, not just the promise of heaven, but now you are walking every day as a son and daughter of the living God, you're walking in the pathway of his goodness. His love erupts in goodness toward us. It is good to give thanks to the Lord, for his steadfast love endures forever. And what we're going to see in this psalm is how that steadfast love continues to move toward us as we see this pattern unfolding. We give thanks to the Lord today, and, and by the way, we're going to have four specific categories, but really it comes down, and the way the, the psalmist ends is this, there are four categories that the psalmist talks about, but but really, uh, there's a blank there, and you need to name your problem. But, but let's look at the four that are defined. Uh, we give thanks to the Lord because, first and foremost, God rescues us from an, uh, a life of emptiness. God rescues us from a life of emptiness. Now, I know Thanksgiving is not the day to be talking about being hungry. Uh, I know that the Sunday after Thanksgiving is not the day to be talking about being hungry. You have been filled to overflowing with stuffing. Or dressing, depending on what part of the country you come from. If you're, if you're right with God, it's stuffing. No, if you're right with God, it's dressing. Look, I'm just kind of walking the line here, right? I, I don't care, but I know that cranberry sauce is of the devil. That's all I know. Anyway. It's not really. Don't be a literalist. I was joking. That was a joke, in case you didn't know. I mean, it's terrible, but it's a joke. It's not a joke. So it, it, it's not Turkish delight. Anyway, so C.S. Lewis reference, somebody ought to get that. So God rescues us from a life of emptiness. We don't talk about being hungry the Sunday after Thanksgiving, but I think it's important to talk about being empty. So there are a lot of people who met with a lot of different people, friends and family, over the last several days, and although they ate food to their fill, their soul was hurting. There was a sense of emptiness or loss that they were experiencing in the midst of all the frivolity. There's something about the holidays, Thanksgiving, Christmas, other holidays that um, puts a megaphone to emptiness. Even as followers of Jesus, we experience a sense of emptiness, don't we? If you're here today and your husband or wife of five years or 15 years or 40 years or 50 years is no longer here, but gone on to be with Jesus in heaven. And you had Thanksgiving. Wasn't there a sense of emptiness? Or if your 
here in the seven cities of Hampton Roads, moved here because you're a sailor or work has brought you here, and, and you spent the holidays with friends, but no real meaningful connections in your life, and your family's far away, and you ate plenty of that turkey, but no matter how your stomach was full, there was a sense of emptiness. Or maybe, maybe you're in that place of looking for a special soulmate in your life, and you've been searching and searching. That soulmate just is out of reach. You've been trying to, trying to find something to satisfy that relational goal in your life, but it comes up lacking, and there's a sense of emptiness. You can go on and on and on. The things that create a, a, an empty wilderness kind of experience for us as followers of Christ. I'm talking sons and daughters of the living God. That's you and me. We've been brought into the family of faith. We are the redeemed who say so. But there is still that sense of emptiness. You know what I'm talking about. I look around the room and I see you. And, and I've walked through some of the journeys that you've been on. And I know you know what I'm talking about. For the psalmist, he categorized one group of people as people who are nomads in a wilderness wasteland. He describes their problem as a life of emptiness. I want you to look, verse 4, it says, these people, they wandered in the wilderness in a desolate way. They were literally in a wilderness area. They were, uh, they were in desolate places They found no city to dwell in. They were hungry, they were thirsty, and their soul fainted in them. So there's the problem. Now, um, if you notice, I'm talking about not, I'm not talking about a literal desert that we're living in. I'm talking about the the figure, the picture, the metaphor of a desert, and and the psalmist gets to that in just a second. But but let's just say for, for now that the problem we have is a life of emptiness. Man, we're looking, we're looking for something, that that key to turn to unlock satisfaction. And everywhere we're turning and every key we're using, it just doesn't work. The problem is the emptiness. For the pilgrims here, they were looking for food, they were looking for for water. And and it, it has to remind us of what Jesus said. He said, I'm the bread of life. He who follows me will never hunger. He who believes in me will never thirst again. There's the answer. And and we know Jesus is the answer because we were all raised in Sunday school, or those of us who were, we know that's the answer. But but man, there can be a distance between I know the answer and here I am in my trouble. I'm hungry and I'm thirsty. My soul is lacking and I need some help. That's my problem. And so what do we do with that problem? Look at verse 6. And they cried to the Lord in their distress. And he delivered them out of all their troubles. Guys, listen. Just as a parent's ear is tuned to the cry of their son or daughter in their distress, and it doesn't matter, we'll see in a minute, it doesn't matter if I'm the one who created the cage in which I'm living. That doesn't matter. As a parent, I hear that cry, and I'm ready to help. They cried out to the Lord in their distresses, in their troubles, and he delivered them out of them all. 
So I have a problem. Here is my solution. It's not that I try to create a spreadsheet that will solve my problem or a formula that makes me uh, feel less empty. What I need to do with great immediacy and urgency is simply cry out to the Lord. He's ready. He's ready to help. The problem is I have a life of emptiness. My solution is I cry out to the Lord. And so what does God do? God rescues God rescues. He delivers them out of all their troubles. Look at verse, uh, verse uh, 7 and 8. He says, and he led them forth by the right way that they might go to a city for a dwelling place. You know what that means? It means he, he led them to a place that they could call home. Oh, a place where they would find welcome and embrace and satisfying relationships. But it's, it flows along the pathway of God's goodness and his everlasting love. Verse 8, oh, that men would give thanks to the Lord for his goodness, for his wonderful works to the children of men. Verse 9, for he satisfies the longing soul. Memorize it. He satisfies the longing soul and he fills the hungry soul with goodness. So here's what God does. We have a problem, a life of emptiness. We cry out to the Lord. That's our answer. God rescues us and he satisfies a longing soul and he fills fills a hungry soul so what must we do oh it is good for us to give thanks to the lord that's what we do here's the pattern we have a problem life of emptiness we cry out to the lord because that's the only solution god rescues us and and then we give thanks to the lord you find yourself in a life of emptiness you follow this pattern I want you to skip down to verse 43 right quick. Just, 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 just skip down, verse 43. Whoever is wise will observe these things, and they will understand the way God's love works. You want to be wise? You want to be wise in this life? You want to be wise in the face of, of the turmoil and the turbulence and the difficulties and the struggles and your own dissatisfaction and lack of... Uh, 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 a, 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 a plethora, I was trying to find a different word and I couldn't find it, a bunch of, that's better, a bunch of unmet expectations in your life and you're dealing with all these things and you feel empty because of it. Uh, do you want to know where wisdom comes from? Wisdom comes from seeing the way God's love works. And the way God's love works is he brings you into his family, let the redeemed of the Lord say so. And then he puts us on a path of his blessing, his goodness. And that path of blessing and goodness means that when I'm feeling a life of emptiness, my problem, then I cry out to the Lord because he's a loving father and ready to help. And then God rescues us and delivers us out of all our distresses. And then I give thanks to him. This is wisdom. This is how we should operate every day. God rescues us from a life of emptiness. We give him thanks because God lift, uh, rescues us from, a, uh, from, a, from shackled living. God rescues us from shackled living. Now, verse one, uh, verses 4 through 9 talk about something that's put upon us. We feel empty. We're w w wandering in the wilderness. Not necessarily because of something I've done, mainly just circumstances in which I find myself. But... In verses 10 through 16, we have a picture of a problem created by our sin. Look, begin verse 10. It says, uh, those who sat in darkness in the shadow of death, they're bound in affliction and irons. All right, so there's a problem, right? You see the problem? 
I mean, they're stuck in a cage, a literal cage or a metaphorical cage. They're stuck. Why are they finding themselves imprisoned in this way? Verse 11, because they rebelled against the words of God and despised the counsel of the Most High. Therefore, he brought down their heart with labor. They fell down, and there was none to help. So here is a picture of sin. Now, I'm talking about followers of Jesus, sons and daughters of the living God. We've been brought into God's family through faith in Christ. We've been rescued from the condemnation of sin so that now we are part of God's family living under the promise uh, of God's rescuing love. That's who we are. But still, I look around here and I see sinners everywhere I'm looking. But especially right here. Even as sons and daughters of the living God, we choose sin. You see how, how the psalmist described it? They rebelled against the words of God, despised the counsel of the Most High. And so the result, and here's our problem, we're in a cage, we're in a cage of our own making because of our rebellion against God, because God said, Eric, you need to go A, B, C, D. I said, no, I'm going to go E, F, G, H. And because I rebel against the counsel of God, I build for myself a cage. Make no mistake, every time I choose sin, I'm building a cage uh, in which I will live in my own misery. He brings me down because of the labor of my sin. Sin never leads to a happy place or a satisfying place or a fulfilling place. It always leads to a cage. We're shackled. So that's our problem. What's our solution? Well, God's not going to listen to me because, you know, I did this. I'm the one who rebelled. Why would God listen to me? I'm a rebellious son. I'm a rebellious daughter. It's an amazing thing when you're a parent. How your heart goes out even to the most rebellious of your children. And you're ready to help. Good gracious. Man, I've been a rebellious child. And yet, love hears my cry. What, what, What do we do when we find ourselves in that problem Verse 13, they cried out to the Lord in their trouble, and he saved them from all their distresses. So here's the problem. I'm, uh, I, I'm, I'm shackled. I'm living in a cage of my own making because of my rebellion against the counsel of the living God. What's the solution? I cry out to the Lord, and he hears my cry. And then he rescues me out of all my distresses. Goes on, verse 14. And and he brought them out of the darkness and the shadow of death. And he broke their chains in pieces. Here's liberty for us. Again and again and again. Wrought by God's great love. That even in my rebellion against him. And the cage that I've created for myself in my own sin. Against him. When I cry out to him, he rescues That's what he does. That's what daddies do. Hmm. And so what must I do in response? Verse 15 and 16. Oh, that men would give thanks to the Lord for his goodness and for his wonderful works to the children of men. For he's broken the gates of bronze and cut the bars of iron in two. Do you see the pattern? problem. I have a life of emptiness or I have a life 
that's been shackled. What must I do? I must cry out to the Lord in my distress, and he will deliver me from all my troubles. Man, that's a promise. Repeated four times here, by the way. I cry out to the Lord, and he rescues. And when he rescues, my response is to give thanks, to stop and give thanks. Oh, it is right to give thanks to the Lord for his goodness, for his wondrous works among us, in our lives, for us. The third category that we have is not only does God rescue us from a life of emptiness or shackled living, but he also rescues us from a sin-sick life. And, and, and I won't belabor this too much, but uh, number two and number three are things that we have done to ourselves. That this is stuff that we've chosen. We are fools, according to verse 17. What an apt description for a son or daughter who has been rescued from sins, condemnation, and guilt and brought into God's family and yet returns to sin as if somehow sin would satisfy. Look at verse 17. Fools, because of their transgression and because of their iniquities were afflicted. Their soul abhorred all manner of food. They drew near to the gates of death. He's saying, when we choose sin, we choose sickness for our soul. And the psalmist was describing those who, because of their sin, because of their transgressions, their iniquities, they had chosen a life separated from God. They had chosen a life where even though I'm part of his family, I'm going to be prodigal for a season. And in my sin and in my iniquity, what do I find? I find myself overwhelmed with misery. Sin is a cancer to your soul. No matter how minor we think our sin might be. No matter how small we think it really is, there is no such thing in the economy of God as a small sin. And every sin for a follower of Jesus Christ is debilitating, devastating, and literally death-dealing, we become sick in our soul. That's our problem. What's the solution? We cry out to the Lord. And they cry out to the Lord in, in our distresses, and he rescued them from all their troubles. Verse 19, verse 20, he sent his word, and he healed them, and he delivered them from their destructions. So God has rescued us again. Our problem is sin, a sin-sick soul. We cry out to God in humility and repentance, and God responds. His loving ear is tuned to our cry, and he rescues us again, and he delivers his word to us, his promise, but also his direction, the compass, as well as the comfort of our lives. And he gives us his word so that then we experience joy in his family again. And our response must be, oh, that it is good to give thanks to the Lord for his goodness, for his wonderful works in our lives. We give thanks to God because he rescues us from a life of emptiness and from a shackled living and from sin-sick life. And, and we also give thanks to God because God rescues us from the storms of life. 
All right, so number one is kind of circumstantial. That's what happens to us. Number two and number three, it's what we've chosen for ourselves. Number four, it's what happens to us. You know, sometimes uh, we, are, we find ourselves faced with a problem not because of choices that we made, but because of the circumstances put upon us. So I want you to look, beginning at verse 23. Those who go down to the sea in ships, who do business on great waters, they see the works of the Lord and his wonders in the deep. He commands and he raises the stormy wind which lifts up the waves of the sea. They mount up to the heavens and they go down to the depths. Y'all see it? They ride in the waves, right? Mount up to the heavens and they go down to the depths. Their soul melts because of the trouble. They reel to and fro and stagger like drunken men. I, I haven't been on the open sea like that. Many of you have, right? The fumbling, the tumbling, the crashing, the thrashing, the falling. I've got to tell you, it melts my heart just to think about it. Seeing pictures of those giant waves uh, just uh, makes my soul shrivel. And some of y'all have been on those ships as they uh, traverse the seas like that. And you know what this psalmist is talking about. But get out of the picture, uh, get out of the experience of the ship at sea and move into the picture. All of us have walked a path where the storms of life have set upon us and we are reeling like drunken people. We don't know where to stand. We don't know how to stand. The tragedies, the trauma, they trigger us and we are experiencing the deep distress of the soul because of the storms of life. And what do we do? None of us can tame the sea. We cry out to the one who can. Again, verse 28. They cry out to the Lord in their trouble, and he brings them out of their distresses. He calms the storm so that its waves are still. Can you think? Can you think of a better answer to our problem than to cry out to the Lord in our trouble? Knowing that he responds with goodness on the wings of his love and is ready to calm the storm. Just as Jesus in the boat with his disciples looked at the storm and said, Peace be still in the storms of our life, in the circumstances we can't control. What must we do? We must cry out to the Lord. And what will God do? He will rescue us. He'll rescue us. This is the fourth time he said it. That's not just rhetorical device. That is promise repeated. Come on. In my trouble, whether it's something that's set upon me or circumstances that I've chosen for myself, regardless the problem, the trouble I find myself, when I cry out to the Lord, he hears and he answers, and he delivers me out of all my distresses. So let's give thanks to the Lord. We give thanks to the Lord. We bless him. We praise him because he doesn't work according to us the way we so often work toward those in relationship with us. He's not holding it over us. He's not waiting to hammer us. He's longing to rescue us. Just like it is 
in my house when Nora is waking up from her nap. And grandmommy and poppy race to the door to see who can get there first. And we open the door and Nora lifts her head above the railing of that bed with a grin on her face and says, Hello, Grandmommy! Hello, Poppy! And we pick her up and we deliver her out of her own troubles and she hugs us with the hug of thanksgiving. Sons and daughters of the living God, let's see how God's love operates. Let's be wise. And in the face of your problem, by the way, it doesn't have to be a life of emptiness or shackled living or sin-sick soul or storm of life. What is your problem? What is the blank for you? You fill in that blank, and whatever that blank is, understand Here's the response. Cry out to the Lord. And his response is to rescue us. And our response is to give him thanks. Would you bow your heads with me, please? Well, God in heaven, we thank you for making us wise this morning. We thank you for your goodness toward us for your great works toward us. We thank you that you have rescued us. We are the redeemed, that you have rescued us and you brought us into your family and we give thanks to you because whatever the problem, when we cry out to you, you rescue us and you deliver us. And so today we give you thanks. And now, Father, as we Sing this song of thanksgiving, declaring your faithfulness, celebrating your faithful love. I pray that you would spark in our hearts the wisdom of Psalm 107 so that we would live our lives based upon that pattern.